The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up guys, Rick here. Before we jump into the episode, wanted to let you know you can win some swag here. That's right. Stay tuned to the end of the show. Figure out how you can get your hands on some sweet swag in the mail. But we're going to break down the 2006 WGC match play. That's right. It's the Tiger Woods Stephen Ames debacle. Get ready for it. Here we go. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast WGC Match Play Review from 2006. We're jumping into the time machine to go back and check out this uh, historic season, historic event. And to do that, we've assembled the squad, the entire team. Let's bring them in one by one. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. Welcome to the show. This has been fun. The whole team being here. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the few benefits of the quarantine life. We get we get to just chop it up before uh, before the podcast starts, and then we get an hour or so here. It is a lot of fun. Uh, Mark Immelman in full clashing color coded <laughs> swag. What's up, man? It's where anything I want Friday. I have orange shorts. I've got my uh, I don't know what color is this burgundy uh, waste management Phoenix Open T-shirt and my green Masters hat. Because we are a few weeks away from the Masters not happening, so pretty uh, <laughs> roll, man. <laughs> Love it, and uh, to round out the team, Greg Ducharme. Hey, Greg, how we doing? I'm excited. You know, this is great. I like I like going four wide too, five if you include Jacob here, because we need a little social interaction this time. And you know, I feel like we've been a little cooped up. We're not able to go see our friends, get together with people, and and getting to talk with you guys for a little bit each uh, each week has has been real fun. I love it. Let's do it. Let's jump into the time machine. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Is that what they make? That's the sound they make? <laughs> we, pretty, we've been, let's hear it we, one more time. What are you doing, Morse code? We've been, in, we've been inside too door. long. We've been inside too long. We jump in the time machine. We're headed back to 2006. We're going to break down the WGC match play event. But first of all, this 2006 season, gentlemen, uh, absolutely insane. So let's start with a little bit of this. Uh, Kyle, you usually put everybody else on the spot with trivia. Let's let's turn that around real quick. Any idea how many times Tiger Woods won in this 2006 season? 2006. It's a lot. Yeah, uh, I think seven. How about eight? How oh. about eight and nine of his 19 international world golf ranking events. To use your words, uh, that's just nuts like that's just crazy that's that's insane strokes it gained is. off the charts right it yeah it's <laughs> well I, I i'm gonna steal rick's thunder here since he just put me on the spot but it's <laughs> it's it. the in terms of strokes gain it's the greatest season in recorded history 3.304 strokes gained in 55 rounds which is just 
It's a joke. It's one of only three ra- uh, three seasons over three strokes gained per round. Tiger has all of them. Oh six, oh seven, oh nine, and uh, you know I think we think about two thousand as kind of the the peak of his powers, but that oh five, oh six run was was pretty awesome as well. Well, apparently he didn't get enough strokes at the Cialis Western Open, Kyle. <laughs> Came up a buck or two shy over there. Can you believe it used to be the Cialis Western Open? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got half of my need, half of my name on the top of that leaderboard there. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the 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 the, t- the tournament names from some of these like that we flash back to are absolutely unbelievable. But in terms of historic seasons, Greg, what kind of gets lost here? is Jim Furyk gained like two and a half strokes per round this season. It's the fifth best season ever, but he happened to do it at a time when Tiger went absolutely nuts and he finished runner-up to Tiger, I think, twice. He, he had like two more second-place finishes. It's just like he won twice, but it feels like he should have won a lot more when you have the fifth best season ever. Yeah, it, why does it get lost? Well, he won six straight times to end the season, right? That's why, I mean, Tiger Woods won from the Open Championship. He won all the way through the Deutsche Bank Championship. So from the end of July until the beginning of September, and then he took a break for the Ryder Cup. And then in October, when he played again at the World Golf Championships, American Express Championship, he won again. He didn't lose an event in that time period. It was ridiculous. It's one of the best seasons ever. And sorry, Jim, like nice playing. But (laughs) this is this is the because he won in 2008. He won his first event as well. So wins in a row it's second to byron nelson in 1945 which um that we all remember that was the world war ii time period so that record is kind of questionable of 11 um but anyway yeah whoa uh, whoa sorry are you calling into question uh byron nelson's records here no i'm not calling them into question i'm just saying there's an asterisk next to him there's just the, there's a big asterisk next to him. What Tiger did, Tiger winning seven events in a row here He's is more his impressive to me. <laughs> take, take the shovel away from him. Than no, I, Nelson. I, I I I agree. I'm giving him a hard time. By the way, we yeah. need we need Sorry Jim to be our new uh, our new podcast intro. Sorry Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking through this list of uh, winners in 06 and get some of these names. Joe Durant, Troy Madison, DJ Trahan, Eric Axley, Ben Curtis twice, okay? Wow. Uh, Corey Pavin, John Rollins. Hey, the Rockets in there. J.J. Henry, um, Carl Pedersen. Yeah, Tim Heron, who's on the Champions Tour now. Chris Couch wins down in New Orleans. I mean, how's this Rod Pampling, Stephen Ames? Well, Stephen Ames got drilled. We'll talk about that. But Chad <laughs> yeah. Campbell, uh, how's the list of some of these winners? Kirk Triplett in Tucson. Cool stuff. Yeah, Stephen Ames goes and wins the Players' Championship. He is a key character in this episode. Uh, Also will be Jeff Ogilvie, who won the U.S. Open. He'll be a key character in this episode. Uh, Greg, you mentioned it. Tiger won the Open Championship and the PGA Championship. And Kyle, this was Phil's second green jacket, his 29th career victory at Augusta. Yeah, it was. It was because uh, he went what oh four oh six and then ten were yeah. his three were his three green jackets there. I can't get over. I, I'm looking at Tiger's. Uh, not to take it back to Tiger, but I'm going to his last <laughs> seven events. So starting with that Cialis Western Open, that so basically Trevor Immelman. <laughs> do what? Where he finishes runner-up to a South African ear. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Immelman was the only person to beat Tiger in the last like six months of 2006. 
He played 28 rounds. 24 of them were in the 60s. It's a joke. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 unbelievable. But, but yeah, the, so the Masters. So that was a that was an interesting Masters because Tiger finished what third, I think. Tiger. Uh, yeah. So he was T3. Tim Clark finished second. And oh, uh, shot in the last. Remember that there was a bunker hole out from a plug lie on eighteen to finish second. How cool is that? Oh, I don't. I didn't remember that. That was a that was a great leaderboard. Fred Couples, Retief Goosen, Jose Maria, Angel, VJ, Stuart Sink. Um, but yeah, still gets his second. Shot sixty nine on Sunday to win it. That'll do it. All right, let's hone in on the WGC match play. At the time, I don't even know. It was the Accenture match play, right? That was the uh, that was the sponsor that year. Carlsbad, California, that's just down the street for me. La Costa Resort and Spa. Now, what I think is interesting about this, Greg, is this is when the format was still single elimination. So you could have gotten there and played, like, done all the work, traveled over there, played one round, got your butt kicked, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, and then gone right home. That It's no surprise that they changed this to, like, the group play match because I can't imagine a lot of players and golfers wanted to uh, play one round and be sent packing. Right, especially if you're – I mean, this is a, it's a world golf championship in that format. So there are a lot of players from around the world. If you're coming from – you know, if, if you're an Asian tour player, it's a long flight for a round of golf on a, you know, on a nice golf course. It's a really long flight. So a little bit difficult. Some of the players weren't uh, necessarily a fan of that. That's why Stephen Ames got into the field this year. He was actually 60. I think he was 67th or 68th uh, in the world golf rankings. Uh, he was 67th in the world golf rankings. And so a couple guys are are bailing out. He gets in. Uh, unfortunately for him, he gets in. So yeah, it was a an interesting format. Quickly. Personally, I liked it. I, I like the format. It's a kind of cutthroat, this cut and dry, uh, winner go home attitude, which during this time of year is nice. The only problem is, well, players don't really want to play, and you you lose your you can lose your stars so easily. I think uh, I'm with Greg. I think majors should be played this way. You start playing on Monday, and they just start eliminating people. It'd be, it'd be sick it would be insane how would you eliminate them just like cut out the bottom 20 people 20 golfers every day until you get there yeah well, so we'll i've had with people that play slowly right Kyle? I've, yeah <laughs> well, I've, had, I've had this theory that the fedex cup playoffs should actually be <clears throat> like you don't eliminate people after tournaments you eliminate them after rounds so if you start with 125 10 should be knocked off after the first round of the Northern trust or whatever the first tournament is. Then 10 more after the second round, it would be, it would be so intense. Yeah. Every, wow. every round would be intense. First round yeah. stuff would be intense. So could in, in your theory, could the leader, could the leader of the tournament get knocked out in the third round if they shot 75 on Saturday? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Camilla, Camilla Vegas would, would shoot like 64 and then be, be out of the FedEx cup by Saturday. <laughs> Well, well, to, well, well, along these lines, you talk about Ames getting into this uh, match play um, because of a few withdrawals. There was conversation after he was knocked out so quickly. It was on a Wednesday. He could have made the trip across and played the alternate eventing off Thursday. <laughs> Tiger oh, wow. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, he, he, he only played 10 holes. So here's here's we'll jump into this. So they had the brackets set up with, you know, named by golf legends. So. Uh, the Sam Snead bracket, Gary Player, Ben Hogan, and Bobby Jones. And the four number one seeds were Retief Goosen, VJ Singh, 
Ernie Els, and of course, Tiger Woods. So this is the match that we've been uh, alluding to, the Tiger Woods-Steven Ames match, which, my goodness, uh, was very, it was hard to watch, it was easy to watch, it was crazy, because Tiger goes out and wins it nine and eight, but really, you know, Kyle, the, the reason that we talk about this is because of the soundbite. And it's the soundbite that Stephen Ames gave the world on the range after Monday, where he said, anything can happen. And then he said, especially where he's hitting the ball, which is Kyle alluding to Tiger Woods's driving prowess. Well, it, it's funny because, and, and I don't, the context, maybe it's getting lost. Maybe it was like tongue in cheek. I don't know. But Tiger had played two events. I went back and looked at this. He had played two events. He withdrew from one. I think I think it was Riviera, and I think it was because he was sick, like he wasn't feeling well. And the other one, he had won. And I'm like, of of all seasons to pick to like to talk trash about Tiger, you picked the greatest strokes game season <laughs> in, in history. Like, I don't understand the name uh, doesn't play pay attention to strokes game either, boss. Maybe that's his problem. Yeah, that is a big problem. <laughs> yeah. And now, granted, like Stephen Ames was. He had a great season. You mentioned the Players' Championship. He was kind of involved at the Masters. He was uh, like in the top six on on Saturday night. So he was he was like like the the you know the best stretch of his career. But it, it did not it did not start or end well at the match play. So Greg, is this a situation where someone says something kind of like? jokey or tongue-in-cheek about tiger tiger takes it very seriously and then he whips you which is also kind of like you know recent memory abraham answer saying he wants to play tiger woods at the president's cup now he's saying it probably in a way that's like i want to play against tiger woods because he's my idol and that would be great and tiger kind of takes it as well now i've got to whoop your butt and like tiger can use anything for motivation right it's this is a guy you don't want to give any motivation to there's one if you have an advantage in match play if you are um coming into the the accenture match play you're the 64 seed uh, and and you're playing against tiger you have one thing in your corner and tiger has been a slow starter uh, on occasion throughout his career you think about 1997 masters he shoots a 40 in the opening nine i think about the 2008 u.s open with a number of uh he made a couple of double bogeys on the first hole during that week so he he has and, and there are many more occasions we don't have to go through but he's been a little bit of a slow starter and you give him that little extra bit of motivation and all of a sudden you've just you you fueled his fire and now it's no longer a start. And if you heard what he said, what Tiger said afterwards, and I, I only read this, but the, the reporter asked something along the lines of, um, did you see what Stephen Ames said on Monday? Tiger said, yes. Did you use it for motivation? Yes. Do you care to comment any further? No. And that was the, that was their discussion between Tiger and this well, reporter. So, I mean, well, you be careful. Well, to well, well, to that, uh, Judy Rankin, who's just probably the nicest human being on the face of the earth, all right? She's on the course, yeah. And I'm jumping the gun, but I'm saying this to your statement afterwards. She's interviewing Tiger, and and she said, uh, "You seem to be on a mission from the very first tee. Uh, was there some kind of inspiration other than you love match play and head-to-head golf?" Oh yeah, there certainly was. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen provided it. So um, yeah, definitely. So Stephen suggested that maybe you weren't driving the ball just in all the right places, and I think you showed him all the right places today. I think I did all right today, yes. Um, I think he understands now. 
Uh, yeah, that, that was the best part. Uh, or, or, or he said something like, yeah, like uh, I showed him where to hit it or something like that. It was so good. And and Mark, we'll go right back to you because we, we rewatched this, obviously. And um, I don't know what stands out to me. I think the, the most memorable shot is where he almost drives the green on, I don't know what it is, like six or seven. And then and then Stephen Ames lays up with three wood off the tee and I, it might have been Faldo who was on the coverage like when you're five down and laying up off the tee on a guy who just drove the green on you like this is going to be over very very quickly and like that to me is the the biggest memory that I take from from this match so you're five down and you're laying up eh yeah well <laughs> the, the mortal actually has to lay up yeah that was not an option back in my day yeah it, it was men amongst boys I mean as I watched it Ames certainly came out nervous. Uh, you, you could see how Tiger got the tee first, the number one seed. There's all the pump and circumstance. He gets introduced, and and he's obviously the, the litany of achievements. And then there's Ames' 64 seed. So he's kind of a nobody, except for the fact that he made this outlandish remark before playing against the ultimate bulletin board guy. Um, so, so, so that was the first thing. And then Tiger gets the big break on the first. I mean, he bounces one off the tree into the fairway. Yeah. And that turns into a concession birdie and he wins um there there were a number of great shots that driver on six was incredible but for me the driver that he hit off the deck on the eighth hole 284 yards over water and at this stage he's seven up all right see 285 off the tee and judy second shot same length yeah 284 and um it is a long way though a pretty sizable win back in his face and that's driver. That's that big old driver, eight degrees aloft, a beautiful looking shot. A Sasquatch from the short grass. <laughs> and there in two. How do you hit an eight degree driver that high off the ground? So this was worth <laughs> to say, yeah, get some, all right, because I've got gears you can't. And then after that, he hits it just up in the throat of the green and hits this spinny little pitch that dances in there to about three feet. So effectively going, Stephen. I hit it way longer than you. I've got touch around the greens like a pickpocket. Get you some, all right? And the next thing is eight, eight up through eight. And I was watching this, and I've just got to, I've got to pitch this to you guys. Is there a better putter on Poanio greens like in ever than Tiger Woods? Because some of those putts that he made were just, they, were, they didn't just go in. They went into the heart of the hole. I think... Uh... Maybe Hideki is a better putter on Poyano. <laughs> yeah, de definitely Hideki, actually. Oh. Uh, now, I got to say this. I mean, and you just said it, but if you're seven up and you're going driver off the deck, that's... Yeah, that's drop, drop the hammer. That is a... Uh, that should be a felony because <laughs> you are committing a... I mean, that's like... No matter where you hit it or what happens, if you're going driver off the deck seven up, the other guy should be like that guy is really upset with me because that's what that represents. <laughs> well, well, to that, it's funny. It's funny. You bring that up because it's, it's how I was thinking because I'd forgotten this. And then I'm like, he, he Ames is laid up. All right. They've quit showing him. This is the tiger woods show basically on ESPN and woods goes with driver off the deck, water down the right into the wind. Okay. He wasn't going to get there, but he was just doing it anyway. Just to say, well, yeah, get you. Um, but, but the, I had a conversation with Frank Nobolo the other day who, to me, Kyle, you've spoken with him, is just one of the most broad-thinking minds in the game. And I asked him for his, his thoughts on certain players, you know, top players throughout um, his career in golf. And so I said, what's the take on Tiger Woods? And Frank Nobolo's comment was, 
he is always going forward. He never looks back. And like he said that when he was cantering to the victory at his his first Masters, he just he, he said to the interviewer afterwards, I can't remember who it was, he goes, I just kept on saying to myself, just keep going, just finish the job. And 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 so Nobolo saying that, I saw some of it with Tiger, but I still think there was a, a little bit of a finger in uh, in, in the Steve, Stephen Ames face there with driver off the deck. Wait, so when you were talking to Frank Nobolo the other day and you asked him what he what he just generally thinks about Tiger Woods? Well, I, I said, what's the lesson to learn from Tiger? And he said, uh, he, he just never lives in the past. He Everything about him is just always now and on and now and on. And he'll hit a bad shot and he'll get irate about it. But the next thing, he's into the next shot and he's just, it's like it's the only thing that ever exists to him basically was Nobolo's take. I remember, uh, it, it, this reminds me of a story I've heard of Tiger when he and Elon were very new, they were newlyweds, just basically married, and Tiger won a tournament. And I mean, I can't remember which one exactly he won, but he's she a, said he's won a few of them. <laughs> he's won a few. And so he wins, and she says, Well, th- that's great. And she wants to throw a party. And he apparently, the story goes, he scoffs at her and says, A party? I'm supposed to win. We're not throwing a party. And that was the end of it. And, and that kind of says the same thing to what you just said, Mark. It's like, okay, he's on, he's on, he's holding the trophy, thinking about what he's got to do to get ready for the next tournament he's playing in, thinking about what he's got to do for the he he's always moving forward, and he he doesn't really, except for this past uh, 2019, which I guess in today's day and in the future now because it's 2006, but that's basically what you get out of Tiger Woods. You're not getting celebration um, except for 44 year old Tiger Woods. So I went back and read his pre pre match play transcript on um, ASAP's ASAP sports, ASAP sports. I don't know what you say there because I have no life and I just like reading transcripts. <laughs> and he was talking about going skiing with, I guess his family with, with Elon. I didn't know where you're going with that Elon story, by the way, Greg. Um, <laughs> and he said, he got asked the question, when you go out and do other things, do you, f-, or he got, a, he said, the the interviewer said, are you a five handicapped skier? And he goes, I'm single digits, which of course. And then he said, when you go out and do other things, do you find yourself competing? And Tiger said, here's the quote, always, always, always. Life is not fun unless you're competing and trying to do something. And so two things there. One, I think that sort of alludes to what Mark said Frank Nobolo was talking about, of always moving forward. And two, it's kind of hard to imagine 2020 Tiger saying that quote. You know, I, I think that he is, I I don't know him. I don't know how much he has changed, but I don't think we would hear that from him in 2020. And I don't know if that represents an actual change in his life or, you know, something else. I have no idea. But I, I, that that quote just kind of stuck out to me as like, oh, that yeah, that's how Tiger used to be. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, I, I do feel like we've gotten different versions of Tiger over the years. And um, it's funny, it, Mark, when I when I got the text, OK, 2006 match play, we're going to talk about the the Tiger Woods, Stephen Ames match. I was like, oh, yeah, Tiger won that match play. Uh, he did not win this match play. He, he actually got bounced in the third round by Chad Campbell. Uh, who went on to lose to Tom Lehman in the next round. But like 
now Tiger is so like I just assume he's won a golf tournament until someone tells me otherwise at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but the truth of the match play when it was still this um, one and done format, he was knocked out a, a few years by Nick O'Hearn in the first round, 64 seed. So he, he had a, a funny sort of a record in there. Um, but 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 at this stage of the game, uh, if you look at the win clip, I mean, the percentage of events, I'm sure you guys can help me with this. It must have been off the charts. I mean, what he would do in one year was a Hall of Fame career. To be honest, this, with you. I mean, this, this year was but, more than half. He won. He played 15 events. He won eight. That's absolutely insane. That 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 is insanity, Greg. I cannot comprehend this. Having been in the stable, was Jordan Spieth says. There's the first Spieth reference. Um, <laughs> the, the, as Jordan Spieth says, I've been in players' teams, and and just one victory is is an achievement, and one victory is worth celebrating. To your Tiger Woods anecdote, uh, but but what he's done there in one season. To your question, Rick, it's like Hall of Fame stuff. And yeah. he's done this for multiple years. And and as you ask the question, and as I consider all of this, it just reminds me how fortunate we as a generation have been to have been able to watch this entire thing unfold on television. Because before then, the Byron Nelsons, the Ben Hogans, you know, the sort of crowd of the world, the Sneeds, even Nicholas and Player and such, you didn't get to see all of the golf. But we watched Tiger Woods one of the greatest sporting virtuosos, like almost shot for shot his entire career. And, and what a joy that has been. I was bored the other day. So I went through Tiger Woods. Uh, he has won Tour Player of the Year 11 separate times. If you remove those 11 seasons entirely from his resume, he is still ranked number 25 on the all-time money list, which is ahead of Justin Thomas. It's ahead of Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey. Uh, someone like Ryan Moore, who's been around for a long time. So it is literally like historic Hall of Fame stuff, even if you remove his 11 best seasons. He's absolutely nuts. You need to send me the stuff that you come out with, man. This, <laughs> I, I, I need your help here. Do uh, your own research, Mark. Uh, so, I'll hire people for that. Kyle, you're available? You can't afford it. You can't afford it. I know I can't afford you. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. 
you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Uh, all right, so let's actually ra- look at look at the winning the winner of this event. So the final four of this 2006 match play was Tom Lehman, Jeff Ogilvy, Davis Love the Third, and Zach Johnson. Uh, Zach Johnson came out as a 15 seed in Retief Goosen's bracket, which is pretty remarkable. He ends up beating Goosen in the Elite Eight to get to the final four. Uh, Kyle, this is Jeff Ogilvy is going to end up winning this. It was his first. Uh, World Golf Championship, and he actually set a record. 129 holes he played during the tournament, which is the most of anyone in an eight-year history of the event. The guy was constantly in overtime or in a playoff situation. Uh, Really impressive stuff by Ogilvy here. Yeah, it was. And I think for a while, he was the only guy, I think until the last couple of years that had uh, multiple, I I think he's got three WGCs, and Tiger obviously has 18. But for a while, I think he was in second in terms of WGC wins behind Tiger. Uh, this, by the way, the Sweet 16 here is just incredible. Like some of the names, Zach Johnson beat Shingo Katayama four and three to get to 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 the Elite Eight. Shingo Katayama uh, beat Colin Montgomery three and two, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of a it's a little bit of a throwback. Padraig Harrington and Davis Love the Third played. Phil Mickelson and David Howell. Uh, but yeah, I think Ogilvy, I don't know. I, I think that people now know him, obviously, for some of his architecture stuff and just that he's always got like really good stuff to say about what's going on in golf. But he was such a good player and probably an underrated one historically. The the one match that I saw in the second round was John Daly versus Phil Mickelson, which I would have paid a lot of money to see. That would have been a, a good one. Um, but but you're right, Kyle. I mean, this this Jeff Ogilvy character is awesome. And 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 Greg, I was trying to see. He was like, oh my god, 129 holes over five days. He's probably going to be tired. He's probably going to. Uh, this might affect him for the rest of the year. Well, he takes one week off and he finishes second the next time he tees it up at the Honda Classic. We already know he goes on to win the U.S. Open. Later in the year, this was a really good year for Ogilvy. Uh, his, you know, in terms of not only history but backing up this match play, uh, this match play run. I, I was looking at Jeff Ogilvy and some of, because as Kyle mentioned, three World Golf Championship victories uh, and a U.S. Open. So I was looking at those four. Those are four big wins for a guy who has eight PGA Tour wins in his career, uh, which probably I would say a lot of people don't know that he has eight. I think you would think of him as having a little bit less, but look at some of the players that he's beaten in like who, who is coming second in these events. Well, Davis love the third who we beat in this, in this match play here, hall of famer. You got in 2006, second place was Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, sorry, Jim, uh, and, and <laughs> Colin Montgomery. Okay. So, uh, three hall of fame, players there then 2008 Cadillac champion uh, in 2008 the Cadillac championship Jim Furyk Retief Goosen VJ Singh three more hall of famers and then he won the match play again beating Paul Casey um so I mean he has taken down some big time players in some big time fields it's really impressive this is an impressive week for him you forgot about the best player that he beat in the 2009 Mercedes-Benz championship he took down Anthony Kim by six 
he beat him by six. AK. Yeah. yeah. You think that's what put AK uh, on his uh, injury leave? On tilt? I don't know. Uh, better career, Justin Thomas or Jeff Ogilvy? Man. Right now? Uh, I, I think you'd have to say Justin Thomas. Mm. Right? I mean, he's got just JT's got 12 wins. And what one major? He's got a FedEx Cup. He's got a major. He's only 26, which helps. Jeff yeah, Ogilvy, one major, eight wins. Multiple World Golf Championships. So how do you yeah. rate the World Golf Championships? I guess that's really the question there. Are we counting FedEx Cup points, Carl? <laughs> no, no, we're not. I think... The World uh, Golf Championships, the, guy, the guys, if you ask a PGA Tour player, you give them a calendar and you say, circle the important events. They'll go majors, players, World Golf Championships, uh, Memorial, um, Arnold Palmer, those sorts of events. And if and, and then you just, then they'll mix in one or two others because of arrangements with the tour. So, so you ask the players and they will say World Golf Championships are up there. I think, uh, I think Ogilvy's had a better career. I'm with you there. I, I, I think so globally too. I mean, he's a global player. We, we just talking PGA Tour. Yeah, he's won around the world and, and he's a fascinating guy. He's, he's one of the great golf savants to me. And, and, and you talk of, of that US Open win, you know, he was sort of a, not much of the story. It was all about Phil and Monty coming down the stretch there. And all of a sudden, he chips in from off the green. I think it was uh, 16, maybe, or 17. I think it was 17. And then that up and down he had from short of the green was just downright sexy. I mean, that pitch shot he hit off those tight lies under that pressure to about six feet above the hole and then makes it. It, it, it for me, is one of the great shots of all time. And I, I, I've known him since he came out on the European tour as a young player. So a little while thereafter, I asked him about it to me. He goes, you know, I hit that shot reluctantly. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, throughout my career, I always used to stick the leading edge of the wedge into the ground. And my longtime coach, Dale Lynch, said to me, you're going to have to learn to hit proper pitch shots if you want to win big events. And, and Ogilvy's like, what do you mean? And he goes, you can't play front edge down too fast around a major championship green. So throughout his time then learning, he would hit shots with just one hand, his right hand and a lob wedge, just learning to release this club face, learning not to tug on the handle so hard with his lead side. Lo and behold, the biggest shot of his career was one that Dale Lynch, his longtime coach, almost forced him to learn. And, and I think that is one of the coolest stories about, about Jeff and, and how he was open-minded enough to, to go about making a change because someone believed it was necessary. Have you ever, have you guys ever played Wingfoot? Have you ever seen that shot that he hit? I mean, that shot is ridiculous. You go stand there and first of all, if you come up just a little bit short, it rolls 20 some yards away from the green. It, it's, it's a significant false front and you're basically standing down there looking at a wall. You're looking at a wall and firmer as fast as those greens are, you really can't leave it short. I guess you could putt it, but there's no chance you're going to get it close. I mean, it, the shot, it, the difficulty of that shot is, I would say, a 10. I would say a 10 out of 10. And that little nipper he hit, I, I, Mark, I'm with you. I think that shot is way underrated uh, when it comes to shots on the 72nd hole of a major championship. Well, that, that underrated word you just used, Greg, really stands out to me when I just look over Jeff Ogilvy's career. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm filing through this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, four, four straight years from 2006 to 2009, he ended 
the year inside the top 15 in the world. He got as high as number three in the world. We talked about uh, the major victory. We talked about the WGC stuff. Like I'm, uh, if we're talking about like most underrated players of the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, like I feel like Ogilvy doesn't get enough shine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He he was he was really good and um yeah, you know that it's funny because the U, the 06 US Open the wing foot it, it was a little bit like and I, I I'm glad that that uh, Mark brought this up. It was a little like the 09 Open where Stuart Sink beat Tom Watson because you're looking at the storylines and you're like, "Oh, Phil and Monty, Monty and Phil, Phil and Monty, like that that's it." And then all of a sudden Jeff Ogilvy's raising the trophy and you're like, well, "Wait a second, like that that wasn't <laughs> you know, supposed to happen. So I think, I think he missed a little bit in terms of, um, just like the, the notoriety of it that, that he didn't, he didn't maybe get, cause we, we all remember it for Phil. We don't remember it for Jeff Ogilvy winning, which I, I think is kind of unfortunate for him. Well, that's sort of who Jeff is. You, you catch him. He, if you ever want to have a beer with a guy, Jeff Ogilvy's your guy, cause you're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. He'll keep you entertained He's funny, he's, he's smart, he's witty, he's got it all going on, but he's, he's, he's disarmingly humble, and, and he never makes it about himself. And, and two minutes, you talk about other golfers winning events. Jeff Ogilvy was in the mix when Adam Scott won his Masters, which, and to the, to, to the Australians, the Open Championship and the Masters, those are the huge ones. I mean, those are the groundbreaking events. And Jeff posts... And the question to Jeff, I'll never forget this. They're like, well, Jeff, what do you think? And, and he goes, this is not about me right now. He goes, I'm actually going to go out there and pull for my boy, Scotty, because I want to see him pull this off. And this is a guy who's got a shot to win the Masters. He's posted, all right? And it was playing difficult. And all he was saying was like, I'm pulling for Adam in this situation. I want to go and watch. Thanks very much. Let's talk about Adam Scott really quickly because he won the tour championship in 2006, which was his only win of the year. It was his fourth professional win. Uh, Greg, it's 2020 and Adam Scott is back into the top 10 of the world golf rankings. He's ranked number six. So we flash back 14 years uh, and we are still talking about a guy who is ranked top 10 in the world right now. Like, what does that say about longevity for some of these names that we're seeing as we flip through these these old tournaments. It's refreshing to see. It's really nice to see in Adam Scott. I think Adam Scott's 39 years old now, if I uh, just off the top of my head. Yeah, he's, he's 39 years old. So um, I think Adam Scott still has a, a solid, you know, five or six years of, uh, of winning golf ahead of him. Um, he's found something with the putter. I think the anchor ban, which is something that happened after this, kind of in between these time periods, had a big effect on Adam. And he seems to have figured that out. And you combine a golf swing like his uh, with the kind of a the way that he composes himself, the way that he just the, his personality in general, I think is very, very good for championship golf. And uh, I, I do think you still have another. I mean, let's just say it's 2024. 2026 i still think adam scott can be a contender and we may have a conversation of this we're talking about maybe 20 you know a 20 year run uh in between these two and and this 2006 this is a tour championship win he had already won the players championship in 2004 so it had been a career that started before this so yeah it's a, a a long career that i believe will continue um, I need to clean up something I was talking about uh, Ogilvy and when Adam won. I had my masters mixed up. It wasn't that, but there was a situation when Jeff came off and he's like, I'm going to go and pull for my boy. 
and along the Adam Scott lines, I, you know, to that question, he's in great shape. He, he, he's Adam has got a strange way about him where he lives a very public life, very pri privately. He's the kind of guy when he shows up on PGA tour premises, every, uh, everyone wants to see him, but no one knows what's going on. Like nobody knew he had gotten married. And all of a sudden that news filtered out. And then all of a sudden he's got one child. Now he's got two. And so he's been able to manage the entire thing throughout his career so well. But couple, you know, fantastic body in great shape and that golf swing of his. I'm not surprised he's had the longevity that he has. All right, let's put a bow on this 2006 PGA Tour season. And Kyle, we'll bring it full circle here because here's another stat that kind of illustrates how good both Tiger Woods and Jim Furyk were in this 2006 season. You look at the money list. Between Tiger Woods and Jim Furyk, they earned combined about $17 million, which would have been more than like the next, I don't know, quick quick mat, napkin math, four or five guys uh, combined. So this this really was historic for Tiger, historic for Jim Furyk, and we don't we don't usually see seasons like this. How many FedEx Cup points did they have though? <laughs> not not readily available. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're right. It, it was uh, I mean just and I've posted the the graph of Tiger season on Twitter before, and it's just like I mean you almost just laugh out loud because it feels like when you look at that you're like. It just feels like it was 50 years ago, not, you know, 14 years ago. It's crazy that somebody, I mean, if, if that happened today, we would just be, we would be just catatonic. We would be beside ourselves uh, about somebody winning six tournaments in a row. Uh, not to mention some of the quotes that came out of, um, <laughs> that came out of the, uh, the, the, the Accenture match play stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, it's incredible to look back on and, you know, sorry, Jim was, uh, <laughs> was, was really good that season as well. So, you know, it's, it, I talked about this with, with Kip Henley the other day, just about how Ernie, you know, we, we look at the, the tiger vortex and, and you see what was lost to it. And to me, it's, it's mostly Ernie L's, you know, winning tournaments and, and doing stuff. But I think Furyk's in that as well. And obviously Mickelson, but, but Furyk was somebody who, you know, he wasn't as good as Mickelson or Els probably definitely, but he was, he was up there. And I think you have to include him in the people who lost a chunk of whatever wins or, you know, world ranking, whatever you want to talk about FedEx cup points. If, if you're talking to Mark, um, because of, because of Tiger's existence. So I mean, look, Tiger's existence. We on this on the mark podcast have Tiger Woods to thank. I mean, he he golf was popular. He just took golf to the stratosphere, and because of Woods, everyone wants to wants to be involved in golf. Kids, I watch them wanting to play. Because of Woods, everyone wants to you know switch on social media, read the the newspapers, whatever you do to find out what Tiger Woods has done, and and us in in. in in the broadcast element of it are fortunate that Tiger Woods is around because with him, you know, not with him winning that event at the Zozo championship late last year, that put the PGA tour in a very good negotiating position to, to ink what is another tremendous deal for the television rights for golf broadcast for the next, you know, through 2030. 
Uh, for posterity, I want to note that Mark on a uh, match play recap twice mentioned Adam Scott's body and his workout <laughs> uh, for for really no apparent Man reason. Man Crush so, Friday. Uh, by the way, I think it was 11 that you were talking about, 2011 Masters. Jeff Ogilvie right. finished top 10. Adam Scott finished T2 behind your other boy, Charles Schwartzel. There you go. Uh, I knew it was one. Uh, it would have it would have been a way cooler story for, if Adam had won that Masters. But <laughs> <laughs> I was Mark. I was at that Masters as a uh, as a let me get this right patron, and I was sitting on sixteen. And Adam Scott almost made an ace on sixteen that year. And whenever he, I think he ended up making a two there, and he made the two, and I'm like, Adam Scott's definitely winning this tournament. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't because Schwartz will birdie the last four holes, which was just, which by the way, I turned that on. Uh, my wife and I were just sitting around the other night and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fire up the 2011 final round of the masters. The Rory stuff is, is tough to watch. It is, yeah. uh, hey, it's, hey. it's a tough you, scene. You know what? There's spots around that golf course, um, that everyone goes to go and see, you know, you go, you, you go to Bubba's spot from the right side of 10, where you hook that wedge on the green in the playoff against Louie. You go to Phil's spot there in the trees on the right on 13, where you hit the six iron on the green makes Eagle. And people go and have a look where Rory drove it on 10 as well against the cabins, cabins there. And it's, it, it's out of play. I mean, if you stand on the tee, you, you, it, you couldn't fathom that someone, you know, could pull that shot so bad and then get such a bad break. But where he was, was that, that was wicked, that triple bogey. And then the whole thing just melted down from there. Whenever, uh, whenever I played Augusta, NBD, um, I, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was where Rory was on 10. It was not good. Intentionally or unintentionally? Oh, definitely unintentionally. <laughs> I mean, I said you wanted to see what the lie looks like. I'm trying to hit that big, like, you know, hook down the, you know, get it, get it to run down the fairway. And I, I mean, it certainly hooked. It was just a little yeah. bit too much. Overcooked it, they called it. Yeah, so Carl's I, I gotta... Carl was popping by the cabins there to get a transfusion on the way down the 10th hole. I think there's some of that too. <laughs> I love a good transfusion. But I got... An interesting thing here that I found in about 2006. Comeback player of the year was Steve Stricker. Now, Steve Stricker also won the comeback player of the year in, in 2007. <laughs> how, it's incredible. How that it's how, it's the craziest <laughs> thing that's ever happened in golf. Yeah, how is it even possible? I don't like, understand it. I have who, no answer. Who, I, I literally have no idea how you can win comeback player of the year two years in a row. Well, guys, just not reading the ballot properly and just like marking X's on pieces of paper. I mean, how far do you have to come back to be the? Co I mean, he must have been way down there in 2005. <laughs> you, you come halfway back and then you come another half back and you, <laughs> you came yeah. back so well, it's worth two. <laughs> wow, uh, that is anyway. good. That is good, Greg. What so, was the best part about this rewatch for you? Is there something that um, you know you didn't remember, or what? What did you enjoy about this? There was a lot that I didn't remember. I mean. For, the guy won every, he won every hole. The, the thing is, I, I can't, part of me said that, uh, that, that Stephen Ames had a rough go of it. And that's true. But Tiger also at one point made seven birdies and eight holes. He only played 10. So he went on an absolute tear. It was just, it was so fun to watch the dominance, right? The drive he hit on number six, not a lot of Stephen Ames laid up, not because he, was afraid to hit drive. It was it was a mandatory layup that they're saying on the on the uh, on the coverage. He doesn't have the shot Tiger hit. So you just saw this physical dominance portrayed that 
I mean, it, the Tiger we've been watching recently is basically doing it through tack. He's, he's not dominating anybody physically. So to see that again, it was kind of just a, a real pleasant reminder. And also Adam Scott's body was, uh, was really <laughs> yeah. nice to <laughs> get into. Yeah, but his yeah. body was hidden. And the one thing that jumped out to me was uh, pleated pants, you know, the, the, the the uh, the 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 Carl uh, Porter style trousers that are tied around down around the ankles that was not happening back in our <laughs> and Tiger with a long sleeve mock turtleneck and the Sasquatch driver I mean remember that yeah. thing Lord Almighty throwback uh, by the way Steve Stricker at the end of 05 was ranked 338 in the world at the end of 06 he was ranked 63 in the world so that's a big jump at the end of 07 he was ranked five in the world there so wow that, back all right year. okay like, you guys were kind of right. <laughs> halfway yeah, and half, then, halfway and back then and then the all the way back uh <laughs> kyle put put a bow on put a bow on this for us uh rewatch 2006 match play how'd you feel about it well it should have been what was it it was it was uh i don't want to get this wrong that'd be embarrassing nine and eight right yeah, yeah. should should have been ten and eight he should have got an extra hole for the club twirl on on five <laughs> yeah just, that's when i mean a, it was over before that but when he does that it's really over well, that looks right at it. You can tell when he twirls that club that he likes it. Oh. Ah, <laughs> oh, not again, Tiger. Goodness. But when he does that, it's really over, man. Yeah, it's you're, just like. You can just, just pack it up. We'll see you next year. Love it. Love it. Gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode of The First Cut. I thank you. Uh, that is Greg Ducharme at the real GFD. It's Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. It's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And how about this? Something a little new here. Listen to the First Cut podcast via your smart speakers. That's right. Ask Alexa or your Google Home to play the First Cut Golf podcast. It's 2020, people. We're making moves. Also, if you want to suggest a tournament for us to flash back to on a Friday, you can do so and you can win some swag. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Let us know what tournament you want us to flash back to. If we use it on the show, we will send you some uh, goodies in the mail, which is always much appreciated. All right, gentlemen, that'll do it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.